You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group, Lavazza and American National Insurance. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Riazul Tequila, referred to as one of the best sipping tequilas on the market. It comes from the highlands of Jalisco, 7,200 feet above sea level. Riazul's agave has a higher sugar content, lending itself to a sweeter taste profile. If you are looking for a true sipping tequila with extraordinary depth after being aged two years in a cognac barrel, You'll have to try Riazul Tequila. Cheers, everyone. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Lavazza. Four generations of the Lavazza family have been working to perfect the art of blending coffee since 1895 with a devotion to making coffee moments special. Signature blend Lavazza Classico with its intensely rich flavor and sweet aromatic notes is a celebration of the Italian way of life in every cup and is available Anyway, you brew your coffee. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. Welcome to To Dine for the Podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and creative minds at their favorite restaurant. On this week's podcast is John Bon Jovi. That is the motivator. Everyone is going to be the best one you've ever written. That is legendary rock star John Bon Jovi, who we met in Red Bank, New Jersey at JBJ Soul Kitchen to hear more about his amazing musical career and his path to create this incredible restaurant with his wife, Dorothea. The concept for Soul Kitchen was actually Dorothea's idea, and it has been a soul-affirming journey for both of them, and I was so excited to hear it firsthand from Red Bank. Please enjoy this interview with Dorothea and John Bon Jovi. Today we're in Red Bank, New Jersey. I'm on my way into one of the most unique restaurants in this country, Soul Kitchen. I am meeting a true dreamer, creator, and visionary, and one of the most famous rock stars of our generation, John Bon Jovi. Hello, so good to see you. Nice to meet you. I should. Oh, I know. Thank you for bringing me here. This is so exciting. Okay. You may not have heard of Red Bank, New Jersey before. To some, it's just another train stop on the way to the beach. 
but this former port town of 12,000 residents is actually known as the Greenwich Village of the Garden State. Located along the Navasink River and just five miles from the Atlantic Ocean, Red Bank is filled with trendy stores, funky coffee shops, and a vibrant art scene. And right in the heart of this artsy town is a restaurant with soul. Thank you so much for bringing me to JBJ Soul Kitchen. This is such a treat. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for coming. This is it. JBJ Soul Kitchen just feels like home. And that's all part of the plan, to make this not just a restaurant, but a refuge. A lot of times you go to a restaurant, you're feeding just the body. Here we're doing so much more. We're also feeding the soul, hence Soul Kitchen. This is a community restaurant cooking up classic farm-to-table meals five days a week. With three locations, the mission is for individuals and families to come together and eat delicious food with dignity, even if they can't afford to pick up the check. Everyone's provided a blue envelope after their meal, and those that are able to pay, they put the money in there based off of the suggested donation of $20 per person. Or if they are unable, then we try and see if they would join our community and volunteer in the restaurant. We're trying to help fight food insecurity, and we're not a soup kitchen, we're the soul kitchen. Since opening in 2011, JBJ Soul Kitchen has served up more than 136,000 delicious meals. And make no mistake, just because the bill is modest, that doesn't mean the menu isn't high quality and healthy. You're more concerned about what you're putting out because the people that are eating it most of the time, this might be the only meal they get of the day. So you want it to be memorable. You want to make sure they want to come back. The everyday menu offers a three-course meal with an option of soup or salad, a choice of entree, and a freshly made dessert. On today's menu, the pea soup and braised short ribs paired with mashed potatoes and asparagus in a pan sauce. For dessert, a lemon cake trifle. I'm talking layers of lemon cake, fresh blueberry compote, whipped cream, and fresh blueberries. I'm digging in with the brains behind the operation, John Bon Jovi and his wife of 32 years, Dorothea Hurley. I always love to hear the story behind the story, and I know all of this didn't just appear. So can you both share how it all began? How did JBJ Soul Kitchen come to be? 15, 16 years ago, I'd started a foundation, and we had been building affordable housing uh, from coast to coast. Dorothea had a stream of conscience idea watching the the, the nightly news. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, now we have to feed all those people that we've housed because the opportunity to continue to build houses is dried up. Mm. Well, I mean, we all know a soup kitchen and people get fed, but I wanted people to have a dining experience and feel, have the dignity of a beautiful meal and everyone deserves that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our whole thing is when you break bread, we break the barriers between mm -hmm. us. And it really was a place where people could come and make connections with people they might have never met before. Chef Rob, wow. <laughs> this is beautiful. I can't wait to dive in. This is the short ribs mm -hmm. uh, with mashed potatoes and asparagus. And you guys are- I'm eating you, the salmon. Salmon and on salad. And not eating the smashed get, potatoes that I want. <laughs> give me all the calories, <laughs> see how this is. The idea that there's no prices on our menu, but we're directly empowering somebody by volunteering. And or if you were to come and, and leave that suggested donation on the table, you, you witness what we're doing because it covered your meal and paid for someone else's. But the food's good. And then the food is great. <laughs> right? So don't yeah. perceive it, please never perceive this to have been a soup kitchen. 
It's right. not a soup kitchen. They're a beautiful bistro. And that and that's yeah. That's it's a really obvious when you walk. It's around. just a it's restaurant. restaurant. Yes. This just happened to become a natural extension of who and what we are, because we saw the need, not because it was fashionably hip to be to philanthropic. Yeah. You know, it was probably the opposite for Rockstar. You know, aren't you supposed to throw a TV out a window? <laughs> Plenty of rock stars and celebrities open restaurants, but not restaurants like this. But then again, John Bon Jovi isn't your typical rock star either. You are an iconic New Jersey guy, right? And I think that is something that's in your DNA. How would you describe where you grew up and what it was like growing up where you did? Saraville, New Jersey was a wonderful middle class working community of Eastern Europeans that, you know, migrated there. Um, So we had a very easy but hardworking, you know, both of my parents worked six days a week, kind Mm -hmm. of. So hard work was always instilled in us. Do you remember your first job? I worked in a fast food place like every other teenager. You did? Yeah, in the mall. Did you like it? I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. I had a certain, you know, laser beam focus even at that young age, but Mm -hmm. I didn't hate the jobs that I had to do. And I worked in an auto body shop for a second, and I tried to sell newspaper subscriptions door to door. But none of these jobs were very meaningful or long lasting because even at an early age, I was playing in bars and nightclubs, and I got a record deal at 20 years old. So you were performing at what age? I started playing bars at 16. Okay. I had a record deal by the time I was 20, the same one I have today, 38 years later. That's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Because I had a single minded focus to make it work on behalf of the greater good, right. you know? So I didn't chase any of that. It takes a brave man to let his hair go gray and still <laughs> want to compete with the young kids, you know? But you know, it's that kind of confidence in, in, uh, in what you do and, and hard work, you yeah. know? I've got the will of an army, so it's, that's And where really did that come from? Was that your mom and dad? To some degree, sure, because you know, the, the one great thing I could say about my folks is even at that early age, they, they didn't discourage my playing in bars at 16 years old. My dad has often said that at least if, you know, he, I was out till three in the morning, they knew where I was. John's parents didn't just know where he was. They supported his drive to become a musician. It's something he realized back then and has carried with him as he's raised his four children, Stephanie, Jesse, Jacob, and Romeo. One hot trigger topic with me, come in the room and say, I don't want my kids to grow up and be a musician or be an actor. Be a, mm. You want to see me go off like a Titan missile, try that. And why? Because people are stifling the creativity or the dreams of, of the next generation, whatever that is, to be a chef, to be a writer, to be a singer, whatever it is in the world you might want to do. Stifling creativity and dreams to me is just, it's a hot button topic. So if all four of your children wanted to be musicians, you would say thumbs up. And if they don't, thumbs up. Oh, of yeah, course, yeah, 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 of yeah. course. One thing I've noticed among truly creative people is that it is insatiable. It's something that cannot be suppressed. It is within you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it finds a way out in mm-hmm. some exactly. form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's whether you listen to that. If you listen to it, yeah. If yeah. you listen yeah. to and it. And you have people that support you, I think. I think that, you know, you just need one teacher who says, you're smart, you have, you have talent, you, you know, somebody recognizes something in you. I think that that's... Yeah, someone can suppress it, a family mm-hmm. member, very oh, sure. easily, mm-hmm. very easily. Did you feel a greater obligation um, knowing that your kids were well cared for and really had so much given to them 
that they wouldn't find that? Well, you know what I would always say to my kids? You need to get a jobby job. You know, it's like, this is- A real job. Yeah, yeah you, no, well, you just need a job. I mean, it's not, you know, daddy works, mommy works, you know. Yeah. You work. That was important to instill yeah, that. absolutely. And they see how hard their father works. Yeah. You know, they, I, I would like to think, I mean, sure, yeah. they lived a very blessed life Privileged. and they know that. Yeah. And they know that and they are grateful for it, but they want to find their own way too. You know, they want to have their own identities and have their own- you know, path in life. They, they have absolutely taken my work ethic. Mm. All, all four of them have that. That's incredible. Yeah, they definitely That's know. rare, right? That you guys did they something real have, good they're there. They're all crazy driven. Yeah. We're a very competitive family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sickness. <laughs> You're all trying to play sports other. with us. Never play games with us. Never play sports with us. We learned that over Mommy the Mommy will your nose. <laughs> Can you take me behind the scenes of your creativity? in the sense of, do you write every day? No, I'm confident, I'm comfortable enough that I could turn the faucet off and know that I can turn it on again at will. Every day is an opportunity to write a song, whether or not you're receptive to it. You have to really, you know, sit down and, and let it come um, is another thing, you know, because it's a commitment. But right behind that wall, <laughs> you know, a year ago now, um, Unbeknownst to me, Dorothea snapped my picture while I was washing the dishes. And we were here. I had just pulled the plug on what was meant to be, you know, this album, this last album. And I canceled the tour outright because I knew people had to pay their bills. And she snapped this photograph. What she really was asking me when she showed me the photograph the next day was the hours of the day that we would be giving food out to people and the days of the week. But somehow I just blurted out, if you can't do it, you do, you do it, you can. And I walked away. And she's going, well, that's a nice caption. I said, yeah, it's a nice caption. You know, and I just teetered around the house like or I do. a song lyric. <laughs> and then the next day I went, wait a minute, that's a song. And so I went and I wrote it. But it comes from washing a dish. Washing a dish. Washing a dish. And there it was. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. 
American national agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American national agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. To Dine for the Podcast is brought to you by Riazul Tequila, referred to as one of the best sipping tequilas on the market. It comes from the highlands of Jalisco, 7,200 feet above sea level. Riazul's agave has a higher sugar content, lending itself to a sweeter taste profile. If you are looking for a true sipping tequila with extraordinary depth after being aged two years in a cognac barrel, you'll have to try Riazul Tequila. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. To have musical talent is one thing, but to sustain it for decade after decade is another thing. John broke out in the 1980s and hasn't slowed down since. Over the past 38 years, his band has sold more than 120 million albums worldwide, 34 million of them in the U.S. They've performed their addictive rock anthems at 2,700 concerts in over 50 countries for more than 34 million fans. Yeah, 34 million. But it's the story of how he wrote the song Bed of Roses that's one of my favorites. I went out to Los Angeles, I guess it was 1992, but there was a wedding going on out in the courtyard of the hotel. And there was a rollaway piano and the hotel had always been so gracious with me. And I said, hey, would you roll that up to my room? Really not thinking that they would. And I'd come home and having had too much fun, I went right to bed. And I got up in the morning, picked up my bag to leave to wherever it was that I was meant to be. And I felt guilty. So I looked at the damn piano and I said, not today. And my head was throbbing, but I sat down and with my bag, you know, next to me on the piano, sitting here wasted and wounded, hence the hangover, at this old piano, trying hard to capture the moment. But this morning, I don't know. Mm. And I wrote Better Roses. Mm. And it became a big hit song. So the moment can strike at any point, even in even your lowest. Even when you're hurt, even in the fog. <laughs> Sometimes it happens in the fog. When you say you're constantly writing, um, what else are you doing to hone that skill of yours? I honestly have never worked harder at it. Mm. Um, I think I sang yesterday in the studio like it was a full-on show. My guitar plugged in for two and a half hours, and I did 20-some different songs that I haven't sung in 25 years. But I, I literally take singing oh. lessons every single day. You're an exception. This is a big deal to get me to cancel a singing lesson. Really? Every day you take Five singing? days a week. Yeah, it's, it's religion. Thank you. So 11 o'clock every day, five days a week. That's what I do. I have a little PA and my guitars are plugged in and I just go down a list and pick a bunch of songs and scream like we're playing the garden. I just walk away right now saying I'm proud of the catalog of work. It's, it's been a, a life well lived. Songwriting took on a new meaning for John in 2020 when the pandemic delayed his album and canceled his tour. John took the time off to reflect on what was going on around him, and what resulted was 2020, his most socially conscious album to date. Your songs 
ran the gamut from the pandemic to Black Lives Matter to the time, the sweet special time you get to spend with your family. Yeah. So you really used everything going on this year, kind of poured it into your writing. Yeah, the album's called 2020, which it'll be that moment in time. I think it's also a strange experience having released this record that I worked so hard on. We worked so hard on, but like releasing a record into a vacuum. I don't know the reaction. I don't feel it. Yeah. it, it and it's it breaks my heart because I, I love the songs. Thanks, buddy. That was delicious. So it was a tough record to release because it's almost like it didn't happen. Yeah. You know, uh, the story of love I know is it's on the charts right now, but I, I've never heard it on the radio. You know, it's a, it's very strange. It's like it didn't happen. Well, this past year that was so incredibly difficult for everyone in different ways. I'm wondering how it was for you and your family. Were there any silver linings to it? Even if you're home, you're not necessarily always there, yeah. you know? And uh, being present. so I, I found that this was a- Thank you so much. Wow. A, a great opportunity to be grateful and, and, and with your eyes seeing, with your ears hear and have gratitude for everything around you because it was always there. I just didn't always see it. The pandemic didn't just hit John's tour. It hit the restaurant too. As the restaurant industry struggled to stay alive, so did JBJ Soul Kitchen. The model to come together and dine couldn't happen, but their community needed them. So John started doing dishes, helping out in the kitchen five days a week. In fact, both John and Dorothea worked more than 50 days straight volunteering at the Soul Kitchen. Over 13 weeks of takeout only, 7,800 meals to individuals, families, community partners, and frontline workers. You could say they did what they could. Restaurants are hurting so badly. Some of our first customers after COVID were restaurant workers. Were they really? And people we knew, you know, people from the community, restaurant workers. And their families. Yeah. And we were closed. And I was, you know, washing dishes and Dorothea and Louis, our manager's wife, was, you know, serving the food out. We did to-go to meals. Go to go meals. To the restaurant workers and their families from the community. It was heartbreak. Yeah. We, we've gone back to our regular model. You know, yeah. we, I would say 80% in need, 20% paying. People are coming back. You know, our, com our, our community is very supportive and we see more of the locals coming back and sitting and eating when they can. Mm -hmm. I imagine you've had many moments that have uh, really made this all worthwhile, but can you take me to one of them that wow. really There have been kids that have come through the ranks and then worked here and went on to have successful careers who had come from drug and alcohol dependency, but they had somebody who had faith in them that came and they bust a table and then ended up being a sous chef and, you know, and went on to greater things. That's why you do the work. Looking back, if you weren't a musician, what do you think you would have done with your life? I, I, I don't know, because like, like, I'm not joking when I said I didn't have a plan B. Yeah. But I think that, honestly, I have had enough therapy to say I could have been happy just working the way my folks did, you know? And uh, it wasn't that I, I had to have this, you know? So, uh, applause don't drive me. Yeah. Celebrity certainly doesn't drive me. So what's the thrill of going on tour? There's not much. Yeah, so is there, what, what, what do you look forward to? Coming home. <laughs> then why do, why do it? When you write a song, to see it on that piece of paper, 
the imagination about will it come to life in the studio? Is it a worthy record? Mm. Will people like it? I want to go see how they react to it. Mm. That's it for me. It's the reaction of the crowd solely. Like right. I said, it's the interaction to see how the songs are received, but the other 22 hours of the day really stink. Wow. So it really is a chore. It's hard work. Well, and it it's really work. Is work. That's what I get paid for. Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, People are going to be shocked to hear that because everyone dreams be. of the rock star life. They do. Yeah, but they, they think it's they think it's a party. Yeah, they do. I'm the host. I'm not. You know, I'm not at it. I'm catering it. <laughs> and cleaning up He's after. working the party. He's working the party. I'm working it. You know. So. <laughs> but what I'm hearing from you is it's the joy of songwriting. That is the only thing. That is the motivator. Everyone is going to be the best one you've ever written. Everyone. It's yeah. it's always it's the that. artist in you. I just the, the, the need I, to the, create. It's the hope that, that that one is the greatest one I've ever written. Ten years from now, twenty years from now, still performing, still writing songs. I've always jokingly said that I can't wait for the Rolling Stones to retire, so at least I know where the end zone is. <laughs> <laughs> but Mick Jagger's got twenty years on me, and I can't keep up now. You know, so but I've never been an applause junkie, so I don't I don't live for that. I like it. I'm great at it, but that's where it ends. Yeah. So. 30 shows a year instead of 200, then you can still do it. Yeah. But it's just, it's, it's not going to be living out of a suitcase. You know, hearing what your work with the Soul Kitchen, working with the Soul Foundation, yeah. doing the food bank in the middle of the <laughs> pandemic, yeah. uh, you both have an entrepreneurial spirit and a heart to give, and that will extend. That'll go on forever, yeah, until yeah. we're done. We're creative, so I create, it's, you know, and then whatever happens with it happens. Yeah. This has been amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you both. Thanks for coming. This has been fantastic. I have loved hearing your story. I really believe that creative people, entrepreneurial people, all have connective tissue. So it's always fun to interview people that are in music and what can they teach people who are in business mm. and vice versa. Yeah. The restaurant is housed in an old auto body shop with three concrete stalls. Now, the warm, inviting atmosphere is all thanks to what John and Dorothea put into the restaurant and created. And just outside the restaurant, in true farm-to-table fashion, is the garden where their chefs can take their pick of fresh ingredients. This is really interesting. When you first started, was this garden for, in your mind or did that come later? Oh, no, I always wanted a garden. You did. But this just happened to, you know, this was just like a gravel parking lot and it was all filled with giant holes and everything. Cars, um, smashed up cars. And you thought, you had the vision to think, we should do like a farm to table. Oh, I wanted garden. that the whole time. Like that was, we were all, when we were looking for spaces, we were thinking like either hydroponics, we were trying yeah. to figure out how do we grow our own food. That, that, that could then be cooked. I wanted people to see where their food came from and Amazing. how food grows and the connection that, you know, we had to food in the ground. Far, this is true farm to table. Mm -hmm. For their third location, the Soul Kitchen set up shop at Rutgers University. You might not know this, but one in three students attending a four-year college struggles with obtaining consistent food. At Rutgers, more than 50% of students have exceptional financial need, making this the perfect place for the Soul Kitchen. I was really surprised that the Rutgers Soul Kitchen has been so enduring and successful. I had no idea this food insecurity among students. We learned it at Notre Dame. And when you really think about it in the context of great four and five star athletes, mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they had pocket money when they were hungry, right. you know? And so all those years ago, wow. it, the spark was lit in us on the university campus. And so as we made this model, created all of this, 
kept that in the back of our minds. And again, because it's Jersey centric, we did the first one at Rutgers at Newark. And I have to tell you, God bless Rutgers University. They said, we get it, we want it, we want to do this. We're putting everything together. And then COVID hit. But mm-hmm. when it opened, mm-hmm. Dorothea got calls from coast to coast from university saying, we want this. Um, there's a sign right in the front when you walk in. All are welcome at our table. Why is that so important to you? Because this is about community. And this is not just, you know, oh, certain people get to eat in a restaurant. Everybody's welcome. Yeah, there's nothing like a meal to bring people together. Absolutely, absolutely. What a meal in Red Bank, New Jersey today. You know, we throw around the word rock star these days, but there are very, very few people who can claim the word in its entirety, and this man can. I thought it was fascinating that for having a job that so many people see as a fantasy, John says the one thing that truly feels good is giving back. Proof that you can search the world and perform on the biggest stages around the globe. But the one thing that truly endures, that really counts, is serving others. Thanks for listening to To Dine For, the podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For the Podcast, American National, Lavazza, and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 